Great job. I love that song. Yeah, you got to take these songs with you, Roxanne. Guys, Roxanne is here. You guys might not know her, but we love Roxanne Hopkins. She is visiting from, well, Minneapolis. But we know her from Detroit. We go way back. Hey guys, we're going to continue our our Treasuring God series, and um, today we are going to look at something that is definitely part of who God is, part of the nature of God, and yet uh, it's very easy for us today to completely back away from this part of God's character. We actually... I'm going to go so far as to say sometimes we reject this part of God's character and we see no value in it and we've decided we're going to figure out the, our way to live in regards to this. And what I'm talking about is the Sabbath. Treasuring Sabbath. Now, uh, you may be very familiar with that term. You may be very unfamiliar with that term. My hope is that by the end of this morning... Uh, we are all a little bit more on the same page, and we have some good things we can carry forward. Now, Sabbath literally just means stop. <laughs> Sabbath, when, when you say, like, the Sabbath, that's the noun form of the Hebrew verb, of, by the, basically the same name, which just means stop, desist, cease, cut it out, rest, take a break, just stop. And some of chill. <laughs> and some of you who, there's some great books on the Sabbath out there, um, Christian and Jewish, very good books, that you, some of you may be like, I love the Sabbath. I, mm, I love the Sabbath. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> some of you may be on the other side of the spectrum. You're like, mm, that's weird. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> We're not Jewish. Maybe you're just like, I don't like using religious words, and that's a religious word. Uh, But the good news is that this message is for all of us. It's a day. It was defined as a a day. Like God said, this is going to be the Sabbath day. But it has lessons that I think are so valuable. And um, I just need to, here's a little fine print. I am not going to be teaching in the next half hour. I'm not going to be teaching everything there is to know about the Sabbath. There's some observances and some deep Jewish traditions that are way too deep for us to really dive in. I have three things that I want us to take away from this. And they are, and they're they're about our character. What are the things that we can grow in when we look at the Sabbath? And those three things are diligence, faith, and humility. And you might be like, those are three words that I have never connected to the Sabbath. Well, today, that's exactly what we're doing. Okay. All right, we're going to start where it all started. In the beginning, at Genesis 2, actually. <laughs> Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, 
those, the, the word Sabbath isn't in this verse, but it totally is. Because we translate rested from the verb for, of Sabbath. And so all Genesis is saying is God did all this work, and then he stopped. He just stopped working. He rested. He Sabbathed. And then we see the actual command, okay? In Exodus 20, starting in verse 8, remember the Sabbath day. Now this is the noun of the word that has already been used several times up to this point. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. At the end there it says, He made the sea and all that is in them, but then he Sabbathed. So the Lord blessed that rest, that Sabbath day, and made it holy. So this is God tells Moses to tell everyone about this new holiday, this new holy day. This is a new day that we're all going to you know, observe, and then we're not going to dig deep into all this, but man, if you didn't obey the Sabbath, you were in a lot of trouble. I mean, there was like serious, it was very strict observance of the Sabbath. Footnote, I don't believe us as Christians have to observe a day the same, with the same legalistic zeal that our Jewish brothers and sisters back in the day had to. I don't think we're bound to it, and we're going to talk a little bit about this. The crazy thing about the Sabbath is there's so many restrictions and, and observances and rules around it, and yet, of all the, this is one of the Ten Commandments, of all the commandments, this is the one that Jesus broke most frequently and most publicly we got to wrestle with that. So, but, I'm going to tell you why I think he didn't break it at all. <laughs> Here's my first point. The optimized blessing. You may, I, I talked about this, I think, at a park service two years ago. Now over two years ago. But um, I don't expect this to mean anything to you right now, if you don't remember it. But I want this to mean a lot to you after this morning. The optimized blessing. So those first two things we're going to look at, I'm going to put them right together right now. Diligence and faith. And those are two parts of our character that we both need to work on and we get the opportunity to work on when we focus on the Sabbath. I'm going to go back and forth between these competing ideas. Diligence and faith. And you might not see it uh, in the, the, the verse we read might not see the, the need for diligence or faith in the command in Exodus. But I want us to put ourselves back in a, an ancient, wandering, nomadic, maybe. The, at the time, this is like, if they could find a land and settle the land, then they would be like farmers. They would be agrarian. But we're not even that. Like to us today... If we had to, if we could only eat what we grew out of the ground, some of us would have a hard time with that existence. We would call that type of existence survival. 
and yet they weren't even there yet. They're wildering, uh, wilderness-dwelling nomads uh, when they're given this law. They're, they're wandering around in the desert. But I want you to think, well, one, did anyone ever come from a farming family? Grow up, even if it's just a garden. Okay, there you go. Yeah, homesteaders, anything. Imagine if you had to live off of what you produced. Everything that you eat either has to be killed or come out of the ground. You have to kill it or you have to bring it out of the ground. Or you have to pay someone who killed it or brings it out of the ground. Now we have many, 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 many steps between that and our our kitchen table. It's incredibly hard and sometimes uh, impossible based on where you're at. If you're living in the city, you can't, you're not going to grow a, a, a window garden big enough to feed your family. And so what happens is this requires a lot of community. Like, you dig wells, I'll go grains, you have sheep, and then we work together. Does that make sense? Yeah. It requires community. So I want you to think about that life. There's no paycheck. There's no money direct deposited into your account. There is no account. (laughs) There's no bank account. There is no retirement. It is a hard life. And it is a life where some people would work, 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 and some other people would be happy to let everyone else do all the work. Does that make sense? There's a great book uh, that Jen and I uh, read or listened to called Tribe by Sebastian Younger. And he talks about how uh, in a tribe, everybody has to do their share. And at the same time, everybody has to be responsible for everybody. And I'm going to bring that up uh, later this month when we talk about that in our midweeks on politics. Um, Because we have a hard time living both of those truths out at the same time. And so, some people in that community would be the hardest workers and they would work, 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 work. And some people might be lazy and be like, I'm happy to let everyone else work. And my guess is that even in a room like this, even in a crowd this small, we probably have that exact same spectrum. We probably have the people that like to work, 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 work. We probably have the people that are like, hmm, I don't care. I don't have that drive. I don't have that work ethic. Now here's what's funny about the Sabbath. The Sabbath command is interesting because it's the only one of the Ten Commandments that has this precondition. It's the condition that six days you will do your work. God tells them that they have work to do and they have to work. There's a great uh, Jewish author that I read his books every once in a while. Don't agree with everything he says, but he's pretty orthodox. He's pretty strict on the observances of uh, especially the Sabbath. And he tells the people in his synagogue, if you don't work, you're violating the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not just sitting around doing nothing. It's the resting from the work. Does that make sense? So someone... So whenever anyone is like chilling, he's like, hey, what are you doing? Like, I'm not doing anything. He's like, then you're violating the Sabbath. You need to do something. 
And this dude is intense because he's like, there's no Hebrew word for retirement. You got to do something. And he's like, hardcore. So if like, if someone's, even if someone's on disability, he's like, come to me and I'll give you something to do. Because we all have something to do. Even if it's, even if it's praying for people. Even if it's calling people. Even if it's, um, do, like anything. Like do something so that then you're not violating the Sabbath. Now, again, I don't believe everything he says, but I, I appreciate the purity of the way this rabbi views the Sabbath. It requires diligence. God is saying, six days, you're going to work. And then you're going to stop. Now I have a funny video. I, I, I don't know if I've shown this before. But um, I'm going to need... At some point, I might have you press the play button on the video, okay? But not yet. So, so this is a picture of me. Um, I, before I was a, a minister, I was a photographer. And uh, I actually learned a lot of lessons from farmers when it came to me being a, a business owner, a photographer, a freelancer. As a freelancer, I struggled with balance. How, how do I do this? No more paychecks. And I've talked about this before. No more paychecks. The terror is rising. And our joke is, like, if you ever want to start a business because you're going to have freedom, it's true. You'll have the freedom to be terrified in the morning. You'll have the freedom to be terrified in the evening. You'll have the freedom to be terrified in the middle of the night when you wake up uh, scared to death. There is a terror of needing to find jobs to pay bills to feed your family. And the answer that always comes to mind is work harder. Uh, So this video is called 110 photo shoots. No, 101 photo shoots, I think. 101 photo jobs. What, What I used to do at the beginning of every photo job is take a picture of myself once I got the lights set up. So if this is where my subject was going to stand there, and I was going to stand over there, I would do this uh, so that then I could look at it and be like, see how the light is going to hit a human face. So I did this at the beginning of every photo shoot. So, Connor, can you hit the play button? It's a whole lot of bends. That was 101 of them. Ten, one, each picture was set to one-tenth of a second, and the thing is 10 seconds long. Um, the idea is, ooh, the idea is uh, th- th- that 10 seconds, that's what that whole year felt like to me. It felt frantic. It felt fast-paced. It felt out of control. And learning about farming actually helped me be a better photographer. There are some things about farming that are in your control. You get up, you got work to do. You got your chores, you got your job. No one's going to sow the seeds. No one's going to plow. No one's going to milk the cow unless you get up and you do it. There are also plenty of things about farming that are out of your control. The farmer cannot control the weather. 
The farmer cannot control as much, as, as much pesticides as we want to spray on the stuff. We can't control every you know, infestation. We can't control the market, what our things are going to sell for once we grow them. There's a hundred things that we can control and a hundred things we can't control. And I had to come to that realization as a business owner. Because my temptation was just to work harder. Work harder, work harder. And then I see that the Sabbath is telling me to work and then stop working. Guys, there may be some work workaholics in our midst. Some people that love to work. I, don't everybody look at Rico. It's okay. Stop. Or James. Stop. Stop. Don't stop looking at them. God commands the people to work and then he commands the people to stop. That work is diligence. And it's part of who God is, and it's part of what he wants his people to be. He wants people who are hard workers. But he also needs people to be faithful enough to stop working. And you might not see, see stopping or Sabbath as a demonstration of faith, but I'm just telling you, for the people living in the wilderness, it was a huge step of faith. You're like, I'm barely making it as it is. If I, if I work tomorrow, I won't be filled with dread. And God's point in the Sabbath is, don't work tomorrow and also don't be filled with dread because I am your provider. And so we're going to look at work and stop. I, these are just uh, four verses I want to look at. They, and this is kind of like the ping pong. The diligence and faith ping pong Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 4. Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing. The moral of that story is, you got to work. Don't be lazy. You got to work. But then, Psalm 127, verse 2. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. This hit me across the face because I was like, I had so many sleepless nights thinking about how are we going to make it. And I realized I'm not asking God to take care of me or my family. But here's another one. Proverbs 10.4. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. And all the workaholics are like, yep. That's my, that's my motto. <laughs> Words to live by. And yet it's balanced with Proverbs 23, 4. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. You can stay up all night thinking about the best business plan. It can still fail. Work, but don't work too hard. What does that mean? Well, that's what I mean by the optimized blessing. Throughout human history, if you're sitting on your butt, you decide to get up and do something, you see a, you see a fruit. It's how we're made, and it's how the world is made, and it's how God interacts with us. 
He wants diligent people. And so you get up, you start doing something, and God blesses. And God promises this throughout the Old Testament. You are going to be diligent, you're going to work hard, and I'm right there with you, and I will bless you. And yet, what the Sabbath teaches us is that there is a stop point where now we're working outside of God's blessing. We think, if I keep working, I don't need God. I will produce my own blessing. We don't say that. We would never say that out loud. (laughs) But we say, thank you, God. I'll take it from here. I'll make my own blessing. And we destroy ourselves once we move outside of the optimized blessing. So the optimized blessing is this idea of the Sabbath that's work six days and then stop working. Now, a warning for some of us, the stopping is actually harder work than the working. And if you're on the other end of the spectrum, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. But for the, the workaholics in the crowd, we know if you tell us, go home and sit and don't do anything all day, you'd be like, I might have a heart attack. And so there is some work to resting. But it's a work of faith. It's a work of of calming yourself. Like like my heart rate is still going high because I want to check my phone. I want to check my emails. I want to check in with the boss. I want to check the whatever. I have to do the work of realizing God is my provider. And I did my six days of work. I did my work. And now I can stop. So here's my point. Can can you live the Sabbath life? Can you live a diligent and faithful life? The Sabbath elevates the importance of work to a spiritual matter, which is awesome. Some of us who are hard workers, we've always felt like, can can someone give me recognition for my work? That, That my work is actually a spiritual matter. I'm giving you. It is a spiritual matter. If You don't work, you're violating the Sabbath. But it also elevates the importance of stopping to a spiritual matter. If you don't rest, you are violating the Sabbath. So what does this mean for you? Whatever your job, whatever your age, whatever your place in life, there's something that we can do to help other people. Maybe that's, I go to work to help my family. That's valid. I go to work, help my family, help my friends, help the church. That's valid. But maybe you're in a place right now where that doesn't apply to you. I'm telling you, there's something you can do. And remembering the Sabbath reminds me that I need to avoid extremes. I need to work hard. I need to work hard for my family. But I also need to work hard for the Lord. But I can't work so hard that I don't need God anymore. I have to have the faith that, that if I stop, God is still my provider. So those are my questions. How's your diligence? Your work ethic? But how's your faith? How's your faith in your ability to trust that you're not the one who is blessing your own life? We could stop there because that's a lot to chew on, but I got one more point. The level ground. Humility. The next part of your character that I want us to talk about is your humility. And the Sabbath doesn't mention humility specifically, 
But when we break it down, there's so much there. Let's go back to the command. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, neither you, nor your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your animals, or any foreigner residing in your towns. I wanted to put this up because these are the people who are commanded to work and then commanded to stop working. And so this includes, let me turn this on, this includes the landowner himself. He has to work and he has to stop working. Uh, His children have to work and have to stop working. The women work and stop working. Any uh, class distinction or position, they all work and they all stop working. And one of my favorites, the animals. This is actually one of the first like animal rights laws on the books. <laughs> animals do their job and then they get the rest also. And then also, uh, doesn't matter your citizenship. You work, and then you stop working. Now, what's awesome is, uh, this may be weird, but what I find amazing about this is that everybody is commanded to do the same thing. Work, and then stop working. But throughout history, powerful people have gained power by not working while they make other people work. And so the landowner could sit back and not work while the people of a lower class or foreigners had to do the work. And what I love about this time in the Old Testament, these wilderness-dwelling nomads, is that everything was pure. They didn't have the cities and the structures and the governments set up yet. It was pure. We're, just, we're all walking around, and God gave us the command. We all work. We all take a break. And this is what I want to draw from this. The Sabbath commanded that you view yourself only in light of your Creator and not other created things. God tells us, I want you to work because I worked. And I want you to rest because I rested. But as people, we have a hard time with that. We're always comparing ourselves to other created things, other people. Do I have what they have? Am I as popular? Am I as pretty? Am I as smart? Am I, do I have the same credentials? How many letters do I have after my name? Is that person richer than I am? We get so consumed with comparing ourselves to other people. And they're just created things. That we never view ourselves in light of our relationship to God. Work because I worked. Rest because I rested. Don't be distracted. Everybody's the same. You need to spend a lot more time thinking about your relationship with God instead of worrying about how other people are better than you. Or trying to be better than other people. And then there's, a, there's another part of this. So here's my question. Can you live the Sabbath life, the humble life? I want to talk about our humility because how are you doing seeing yourself as a created thing just like every 
anybody else. <clears throat> the people who drive you nuts, I want you to think about that person. You don't have to say their name out loud. <laughs> but I guarantee you, someone drives you crazy. <laughs> Guys, you're not more special than they are. You're a created thing just like they are. And, and they are precious in God's sight just as much as you are. You are not more precious in God's eyes than they are. Do you want to push people away? You might not be practicing the humble life God wants for you. Do you have this thing in you that wants to elevate yourself above other people on, across any divide? The Rock, a lot of the Rockford people aren't here right now, so I'm going to talk about the Rockford crowd. Maybe the Rockford people are like, oh man, Rockford's the best place to live. They're watching online. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But maybe you're like, oh, you know, Lansing is such a dirty town. I would never live in Lansing. Or, uh, or any, guys, we have an unlimited supply of lines that we can divide ourselves with. Even in this group, we could come up, if we just brainstormed, if we were so brave, we could brainstorm a hundred ways to divide us. And what we're going to be tempted to do is say that people on my side of the line are better or superior than people are on the other side of the line. We do this all the time. And that's what I love about the Sabbath, is it's like, hey, the guy who owns the land and his children and his servants and his animals and the, the foreigner that comes asking for a handout, they're all equal in God's eyes. They all have to work and they all have to stop working. To the neighboring tribes, the Sabbath command was insane. I want you to think about that. So you've got this group of people that came out of Egypt, and now they're kind of making, their name for, making a name for themselves as they wander around. Other tribes and other people were like, I see this million people walking around. wonder where they're going to settle down. I wonder how it's going to go. But then they start to hear, they have the weirdest rules they have to follow. Like, hey, every seven days, they just sit and do nothing. They're not going to make it. We could, we'll, we'll be very easy to defeat these people. The Sabbath command would have been seen as weak, as foolish, easily overtaken. But God's plan for his people was not that they would be the most impressive. It was that they would be the most holy. So that's my last question. Can you live the Sabbath life, the holy life? And show the world a holy God. If you live a diligent life, if you live a faithful life, and if you live a humble life, I can almost guarantee you, you will not be the most popular person. You will not be the most influential person. You will not be the most impressive person. But I can also make another guarantee. If you live the diligent life, the faithful life, and the humble life, you will definitely show people how powerful God is. And the world needs that way more than they need you being an amazing influencer. So if you're visiting with us this morning, I want you to know that there is an alternative life. The world has a never-ending stream of lies that it's going to throw in our face. 
It tells you how to be accepted, how to get ahead, how to feel better, how to position yourself. And all of those things are so temporary and so futile that they usually leave you worse off when you go down those roads. They will leave you more hurt, they will leave you with less friends, and they will leave you less secure. But there is a way that is different. And, I, and here's what's crazy. This is a paradox. The Sabbath is a paradox. Like, it doesn't make sense, but it works. Christianity is a paradox. It doesn't make sense, but it works. Surrendering to God, making Jesus Lord of your life. Why does that work? I, I honestly can't tell you why it works. I just know that it works. And so I want to invite you to look into the scriptures for the answer. I'm going to end with Jesus before I have Roxanne come up to do our our communion. I said, I don't think that Jesus violated the Sabbath. When you look at the letter of the law, Jesus violated the Sabbath a lot. He worked on the Sabbath. He healed people on the Sabbath. He was unclean. Like he, He violated those things. But when you look at what we just talked about, was, was Jesus diligent in his work? Was Jesus faithful in the fact that God provides for him and he didn't have to fight his own battles and take care of himself? Was Jesus humble? Literally what Tyson talked about in Philippians 2. I would say that Jesus actually embodied the Sabbath because he understood God's ideas behind the Sabbath. And so he could go around and do things on that day and never violate the Sabbath because he's like, I live this stuff. And and so I'm inviting you. We can live that stuff too. Amen? Guys, that's all I have. I'd like to invite Roxanne Hopkins up to do our our communion.